Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, MD Nation. You're back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show with myself, your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhower. Chris, we are officially one week away from kickoff. One week. I, one week. It's finally almost here. I'm super excited. A Thursday game is going to be a hell of a game, too. Super excited they're kicking it off that way. Yeah, Tampa Bay, Dallas, what more could you hope for? Two big-time offenses. It's going to be interesting to see the Dallas offense take on that Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense. And remember, next week, I mean, this, this is the last we're doing offseason stuff. Next week, we'll be back Thursday and Friday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on your social media accounts at Show and on YouTube. But we're going to be previewing, previewing week one. We're going to be previewing actual football going in. It's so, so so exciting, and I know this weekend is going to be big for everyone's drafts, which is why today's show is going to be our top 108, kind of like how the NFL does their top 100. We're going to talk about our top 108. Why our top 108? Well, we're not going to talk about the defenses and the kickers. We're not going to talk about the deep flyers and the sleepers. We're going to be talking about the guys who are going to be making up the core of your teams, who are going to be the ones who are responsible for winning your drafts and setting up your pathway to your championship. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We've broken it down by position by the guys who are going to be inside my top 108 overall. The first thing will be quarterbacks and tight ends. We'll talk about running backs, talk about receivers. And, of course, we have a mailbag segment for you guys at the end. But first... I don't know if you've known, but last weekend was quite an exciting weekend when it comes to NFL news. If we can actually find this. Breaking news. So we, there was a ton of news we have to get to. We have a jam-packed show. So we're going to go over some of it today and again, some of it tomorrow because we'll be right back here at 11 a.m. at Belly Up MDFF show and on YouTube to talk about the rest of the news that happens. We have so much to break down. We want to cover everything. But to kick things off. Perhaps, I mean, I don't know if it's the biggest news story, but one of the more surprising news stories of the week, Cam Newton getting cut, Mac Jones becoming the starting quarterback, and what that means for everybody involved. So, Chris, give me your initial reaction. 
I mean, I was definitely surprised. We talked a lot on our show about our kind of value of Cam Newton, and we kind of expected him to start more you know, games this season. A lot of people were kind of expecting him to kind of get transitioned out sooner than later. We thought as long as the Patriots were a playoff contender, the team's kind of built around Cam. Um, but I think with that whole COVID you know, misunderstanding that occurred and basically Matt Jones having an opportunity to kind of show what he has with the first team, it seemed to be the writing was on the wall and Cam was out the door. I mean, I think this is incredible news. I, I think this is definitely some game-changing situation in a lot of ways. Yeah, I first want to start off with, I believe Matt Jones should have been the starter from day one. I believe he was definitely the better thrower, the better quarterback, and he's going to be the future anyway. And outside of perhaps Trevor Lawrence, he was probably the most NFL-ready quarterback of these rookies to come out. So that's why I was good with Matt Jones being the guy who comes in and starts right away. Having said that, don't tell me it's because Matt Jones lit it up great against backups. Don't tell me it's because in the week that Cam missed, that Mac Jones was so good that he won the job. No, this to me, 100, un- unequivocally, was Cam Newton getting COVID, pissing Bill Belichick off. To me, this is, this is why this cut happened. Because Bill Belichick, we know he's a no-nonsense coach. We know he's the type of guy who's not going to sit there and tolerate anything that inhibits a team from having the most advantage they could possibly have going into each week. And I could just see him now. knowing We know now Cam's not vaccinated. Not that we, we actually kind of knew that before anyway in his situation, but we know he's not vaccinated because he had to go through these certain protocols. And I could just see Bill Belichick thinking to himself, what happens when this guy goes out and gets into a close contact situation on a Thursday or Friday and suddenly I have to rewrite my entire game plan because now he has to go through protocols because he refuses to get tested or refuses to get vaccinated. To me, that's 100% what's happening now. And a lot of things is happening around the league like that. A lot of GMs, it's not just about your talent, how your availability, your ability uh, for special teams and depth chart and all that. It's also about, are you vaccinated? It's 100% about that. That has become a big part of this. And so I think Cam is going to be sitting out of a job for a little while. Now, he may want to play the long run anyway to see what opportunities come available to him. But I think him not being vaccinated is going to work against him throughout this process. Yeah, I think it very well can. I mean, that you look at the situation, why take a chance on a guy that basically can miss multiple games for you, um, kind of sabotage your season in a lot of ways. Now, I do hear a lot of rumors about him going possibly to the Texans or even being linked to the Dallas Cowboys. I am curious to see if he's Dallas. Maybe it's not as big a deal because he's a backup quarterback. They're not necessarily banking on him being available to them. Um, Houston would be a really interesting situation. You already got Deshaun Watson basically still on the team. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but I know that He's still there, and then you're going to have Cam Newton basically thrown into the equation. So, I mean, I think that could be one of the more interesting stories coming up. Yeah, and look, we're not here to give our opinions on or push one way or another on the vaccination. That's not what this show is for. But I have been a big advocate on this. While the NFL has put in all these rules to make the lives of the unvaccinated players miserable, you are a private organization. If you want your guys vaccinated so your product on the field does not suffer, just come out and make the rule. Don't care about the PR. Just do it. Just do it. And be done with the, it. I think the big issue is the NFLPA is kind of has to kind of agree upon that and that they won't fight them over it. And we're kind of seeing that kind of go down right now about the Herb, Urban Meyer comments. And there's an investigation going on on the Jaguars right now. Was, you know, people cut because of COVID? And is that something that they can, quote unquote, do for the you know, regulation set up? with the NFLPA. So I think that is going to be really interesting to see how that kind of unfolds because the NFLPA has to be the one that kind of has to agree that this is something they're willing to do. 
I don't want to get into a whole thing about it, but I will say this. I think that's the battle the NFLPA would ultimately lose. And that's why I think the NFL could go ahead and do this. But neither here nor there. Fact is, Mac Jones, starting quarterback, now all of a sudden, for me, it boosts every single skill player on the Patriots ceiling as far as fantasy purposes go. We'll talk about Damian Harrison a little bit. We'll talk about Janu Smith a little bit, Hunter Henry. But we're not really going to get too much into the wide receivers because the wide receivers, for me, are still going to be flyers. We still have to see how it breaks down, who's going to be the number one target, how utilized they're truly going to be, because there's still a lack of talent when you're talking about Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, and and uh, Kendrick Bourne. You're talking about guys, maybe Jacoby Myers can be a wide receiver three, depending on the targets that he sees. Maybe Nelson Aguilar could be a boomer bust DFS play, kind of like he was a season ago. But it's kind of a maybe for me. The big thing will be Harris and Janu Smith and Hunter Henry get a big boost up. Yeah, I also think that James White gets a hell of a boost up, too. I think that he was kind of the forgotten about guy in the backfield, and I think this kind of brings back you know, him being that third down around him being that primary pass catcher. Um, I think overall it definitely impacts the receivers probably the most where they actually are probably going to be more relevant. Now, I agree with you that not necessarily guys are necessarily running out to go get, but they are guys that you can consider that are just borderline in the receiver four, receiver five types, where before when they have Cam was going to be the quarterback, I wasn't even touching those guys or even looking at them. No, agree. And yeah, James White, perfect name as well, because now they're, they're going to go back to that Brady-like system, 2009, when you're running Gronk and Hernandez out there. It's going to be very similar to what we saw that year, where James White was very much a vital piece of that team. And now all of a sudden, he becomes, in PPR leagues especially, a guy to look at deeper in your leagues to kind of plug and play, because I think he's going to be able to fill in for you, especially as a flex in certain situations, if this offense comes out and works the way that, frankly, I would expect it to. Let's move into the Watson news. Now, the Dolphins, there was this big trade rumor coming out. There's been multiple trade rumors. We found out that Watson rejected a trade to the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't really blame him. Uh, but then we also found out that there's, I guess, some feelings going on or some desires going on in the ownership of the Dolphins, which is more what led to these rumors breaking out. Now, I'm going to be clear on this, and I've been clear on this from the get-go. No trade with Deshaun Watson is going to happen until we get some clarity on the legal situation. I truly believe that. But, Chris, is there anything you do take out of these rumors with the Dolphins and Deshaun Watson this late in the year? Um, I find it very interesting, and I wonder if it's not media-driven. Um, first of all, I do think I do blame him for not accepting that deal to the Eagles because I think that was his best chance to kind of play this season. And I think that we all both agree that Deshaun Watson needs to play sooner than later because with all the things going against him and kind of the PR, you know, he, he's basically facing, he needs to be out in the field producing to kind of have, you know, the fans on his side. I don't know if his value is going to go up necessarily if we still have to wait another year to find out if he's got guilty or not. Will that really change, you know, his situation? As the Dolphins, I'm kind of disappointed that this keeps continuing to be, you know, the rumor. I wonder how much of it's media-driven. Um, and I think that's something that there's, they, they want a story there. They want to kind of push two out the door. But I am really excited that Flores came out and discussed with not only his team, but out in public that Tua is our quarterback. And I like that, that you know, the coach coming out and getting ahead of this versus just kind of letting it kind of simmer below the surface. I think that Tua has shown out well in the you know, preseason so far. Everything out of camp has been positive. Stephen Ross is kind of a weirdo, so he can always kind of he always kind of you know, wants to make the big move. He wants to make that headline thing that kind of grab attraction, and he wants to be somebody that's you know very a franchise that's kind of known and being kind of like you know the doll. It's similar to the Cowboys, where he wants to be kind of just in the media as much as possible. But I think that hopefully he's smart enough to let his you know his NFL decision makers make the decisions versus him trying to get involved. 
And I really think that, you know, everything from what I understand from Flores to all management in Miami, other than the owner, possibly everybody's on the same page. They do not want to go basically mortgage their future in a lot of ways, offer multiple draft picks and take on the cap that, you know, Deshaun Watson basically will eat up moving forward. They like how they're kind of progressing. They like the flexibility they have with their team. So I'm hopeful that this doesn't happen. Look, as far as Flores is concerned, I don't think there's ever been a question that he is big on Tua. I don't think he benches Ryan Fitzpatrick with the position that they were in last season for Tua Tagovailoa if he was not a believer in Tua Tagovailoa. So I never questioned really when it came to Brian Flores. The ownership has been the key really all offseasons to why these Dolphin rumors keep flaring up, I believe, because I think they do want Deshaun Watson or would like to have Deshaun Watson. It's not going to happen. So the only question of the story was how much faith does this organization have in Tua? I would say for the people that matters, not that the ownership doesn't matter, but the people that matters as far as his play on the field goes and therefore the fantasy value for everybody else around and the Dolphins goes, they're 100% behind Tua. I'm not worried about this. I don't react to this the way the same pe- a lot of the same people do. Uh, so I'm good with Tua in Miami. I'm not worried about it too much. I, I, and again, no trade's going to happen. And I don't blame him for saying no to the Eagles deal. The reason why, wherever he goes, he is going to be locked in for at least a few years. And if he's serious, and I believe he is, about wanting to be with a team that can contend right away, Philadelphia's not in that position anytime soon. It's going to take, even with Deshaun Watson, it would take a few years. So that's why I don't blame him for saying no in that deal. While I agree with you, he needs to get back out on the field I do think that the long-term goal there with the Philadelphia Eagles is not, and I don't think that's the right city for a guy like that right now in his position either. So I, do, I don't I do blame him for saying no in that deal. Moving on, though, talk about Philadelphia Eagles. Gardner Minshew gets traded. We have a poll that we're going to talk about later in the show with Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts and all that. Uh, Chris, is there anything that you're, I don't know, concerned about with Gardner Minshew getting traded to the Philadelphia Eagles as the backup quarterback now? I don't think I'm so concerned. I'm, I'm kind of more curious about the situation. I know the Eagles have historically made a big deal about trying to be a quarterback factory and trying to, you know, that's a position they always want to kind of have, be strong in, always have guys that may have possibly that they could move on or trade down the road. Um, I'm more surprised that they made it because he's going to be the third quarterback more than likely going into the thing. Joe Flacco's had a decent preseason. Everything's come out well. He's been doing well in camp. So I, I And they paid him. So I see him being the second quarterback. So Minshew is kind of a guy that how can his value really go up in a sense if this guy's not going to really see the field? Um, we have heard some kind of weird oddness of going on the situation with Jalen Hurts and the head coaching, new coaching staff there, where they didn't want to name him the official starter until I think well, a week ago. Um, it was always the assumption he would be, but they didn't want to make they didn't want to do that necessarily. Kind of like the Trevor Lawrence situation. Um, so I do wonder if there is maybe a little bit of smoke to this, where maybe there is some concerns about Jalen Hurts and his fit in the system. Is it somebody that they don't necessarily love? I mean, we've heard where maybe they've offered for Deshaun Watson, maybe Minshew, something part of that, that equation in some kind of way. But I found it a very odd move for both parties involved, not only for the Eagles, but also Minshew himself. Like I think he'd rather have a, ch- a chance to be competing for an opportunity sooner than later. Well, I mean, for Minshew, I don't, he didn't really have much say in this. Uh, he would just trade it away. But as far as Jalen Hurts goes, I don't think it's a secret that the Philadelphia Eagles know that Jalen Hurts is not their future quarterback. It's just, you know, at this point in the year, are you really going to make a change right now? But I don't think it's a secret that this is going to be his one year to start for the Eagles. If he does well, he might get to go somewhere else, but he's not the future of the Philadelphia organization. There's no question about that. He's not a accurate West Coast type of quarterback, which is what Nick Serini wants for his offense, for his system, ultimately speaking. So I don't think that's a secret, that part of it. 
I do think while I'm with you, Gardner Minshew will be the third string quarterback to start the season. If something were to happen to Hurts, I would not be surprised if it was Minshew starting over Flacco by the time that came along, depending on where, what point in the season that would be. We'll see exactly what happens there, but just an interesting piece of news because they traded for a backup who is a young guy. So it's like, are you there to bait competition for Jalen Hurts throughout the year, potentially speaking? And we'll talk about that a little bit more later on uh, during the poll that we put out. Jameis Winston. Now, last week when we were on air, this news came out right after our Friday show, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But Jameis Winston officially named the starter. So I was happy about that. Chris, I know you're happy about that. Why are we happy about that? Well, I think that it makes the receivers much more relevant. I think that we both agree that, you know, this Saints offense could be run-oriented and much more built around being physical if Taysom Hill had become the quarterback. But Jameis, having been the quarterback, I think he's more talented. We've definitely seen he's been able to push the ball down the field more consistently, and the offense can be more aggressive as a result. So I think this definitely benefits the receivers. I think it benefits Alvin Kamara. I think it benefits the tight ends. I think overall for the Saints – we kind of seen them held back in some ways the last couple of years with Drew Brees' lack of arm strength. Now we just seen elite quarterback talent have the opportunity to run with Sean Payton. I'm, I'm excited about this match. Yeah, this it just reaffirms my confidence in Alvin Kamara being a top three running back. It reaffirms my confidence in Marquez Calloway being our number one sleeper. If you go back to our best five, bus five, sleeper five wide receivers episodes on your favorite pod streaming apps, we talked about Marquez Calloway at length as our number one sleeper. This confirms that. And it also helps me when Michael Thomas comes back and if he comes back healthy and good to go, that he can possibly return to wide receiver one status on a week-to-week basis because Jameis Winston's the one throwing the football. It offers an entire new element to this offense we haven't seen in years because Drew Brees hasn't been able to throw down the field in, in years. Uh, so this really goes well for all Saints players involved. We'll see exactly when Adam Troutman's getting back, but he still is somebody I think will be on my board as a sleeper tight end nonetheless. With this move, Taysom Hill will get his packages, but the better quarterback is in place in New Orleans. This next piece of news, I got to go off on a little bit of a ramp. I don't want to take too much time, but J.K. Dobbins blows his ACL in preseason. I know there's some teams out there who have played their starters. I understand that. But even the teams that have played their starters, when you have a bona fide starting running back, when you know who your guy is, they don't play. Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb. The list goes on and on. You know who the starter is. Running backs don't play. Running backs already take on a ton of wear and tear. You don't need these guys out there to be good to hit the ground running. All the guy can do is be good in practice and be in football shape. J.K. Dobbins is poised for a big year, and I would argue outside of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, he's the third best offensive player they have on their team. You put him out there in preseason and he blows his ACL. Now, I know Harbaugh was questioned about this in the media. However, I don't think he had his feet held to the fire nearly enough for the travesty that this was. Obviously, I'm set about it. I was big on J.K. Dobbins going into this year, so I wanted to get that out of the way and just the ridiculousness of the fact that he was out there playing to be in this harm's way to begin with. Gus Edwards is somebody we're going to talk about throughout this show because he's going to come up on our, our top 108. But Chris, your initial reaction to J.K. Dobbins and ACL injury? First of all, I have to say I 100% agree with you. Um, I'm not a proponent of playing running backs pretty much at all, unless you're a rookie and you're learning kind of pass protection, you're kind of learning for the first time, maybe get a couple snaps here or there. But I think at the running back position, to your point, these guys already have plenty of wear and tear. 
you don't really want to stick them out there in a situation where a lot of times these offensive lines aren't 100% healthy or have their, all their starters out there. And then add to the fact that he was hurt basically on catching the ball. So all these different things were, to me, just red flags of why you even have him in the game. You know, Jonathan Taylor's in his second year. He's not out there and playing for the Colts. I think you have to cheat J.K. Dobbins very similar to those kind of players. This is your best poly, your, like you said, your third best offensive player, one of the more explosive guys, and somebody that really doesn't need the reps out there. I mean, he's already shown what he kind of does. He's already been, been active in practice. We've heard nothing but great reports coming out. So for me, it was just a waste, particularly this close to the season. I mean, maybe you want to have him out there that first game to get some rust off or something like that in the first preseason game. But, you know, as we approach the season, why is a running back out there? I'm just I'm just befuddled and really frustrated by this whole situation. Yeah, absolutely. For a great coach, John Harbaugh is, too. It just made absolutely no sense. Like I said, we'll talk about Gus Edwards in a little bit. I just want to Dobbins dynasty value wise. The silver lining is at least this happens at the beginning of the year before the year actually started. The way guys have been coming back from ACLs and being how young Dobbins is, I have very little doubt that he'll be able to come back ready for 2022 and be poised for the breakout year that we were hoping for this year. And I would still be equally as confident in that uh, for next season. So if you have him in dynasty, Obviously, I'm not panicking. I'm not looking to trade him away uh, unless I'm you know, blown away by some kind of offer. J.K. Dobbins is still a guy to me that will be a stud in this league, especially on this team in this system. There was other news for the Ravens, of course. Marquise Brown did manage to come back to practice, so that is good news. So did Sammy Watkins, for that matter. Rashad Bateman was placed on injury reserve, will be out for at least the first three weeks, which is what we expected. We thought, you know, end of September, beginning of October, we might see a return out of him. Miles Boykin, actually, was he made the team, but also got placed on IR with the hamstring injury. He'll also be out for the first three weeks of the season. So, Wide receiver-wise, Sammy Watkins, Marquise Brown, any sleeper value there with those two being back and on pace for week one? I think there's sleeper value in both. I mean, especially early on in the season when, while they're kind of waiting for Bateman to kind of return, these guys are clearly going to be the two starting receivers out there, and we expect them to kind of eat. And I think with the J.K. Dobbins injury, you might see a little bit more passing. You also might see the need for them to be out there because of their speed. I mean, we love Gus Edwards, and we'll talk about him a little bit more, like you said, but he's not, he's not going to be he's not a blazer out there. So I think this Ravens team in general really needs some kind of a, a little infusion of speed. I think Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins being healthy is huge for them. Yeah, uh, I, if there's one receiver I'm going to draft, I still don't really want to draft a Baltimore wide receiver, but I'm going to take a flyer on one late. It would probably be Sammy for the beginning of the year, see what he does. Uh, but otherwise, I kind of want to see this play out. I think they'll be available to you on the waiver wire if something does emerge. And then we get Rashad Bateman back into the mix, and then we'll have to go through that whole thing. Last piece of news we're going to talk about today, just – Throwing it out there, really not much to comment on. John Brown, surprisingly released by the Raiders, which opens up the door for Brian Edwards, who has been touted as having a great camp. We'll see what this means for Henry Ruggs, although I don't have a ton of confidence in him. Chris, is there anything about maybe Brian Edwards that you're looking forward to now that John Brown's out of the way? Somebody has to emerge as number one receiver outside of Darren Waller. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. 
And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, I think it's gigantic for Brian Edwards. I think this means that he's clearly the number one receiver on this offense after Darren Waller being involved. And I think that he's clearly the best outside receiver that they kind of bring to the table. Um, I also think it kind of hurts Ruggs in a lot of ways. People are kind of excited about, oh, it's going to open up more opportunity. I think they need a John Brown speed out there. And killing, keeping Willie Sneed and keeping Zay Jones over John Brown, I think, was very difficult for that team because when you look at what they have, they're going to start Hunter Renfro in a slot as it is. Willie Sneed's a slot receiver. So is Zay Jones. So the one thing I thought Ruggs might have for him going into the year was the possibility he can line up in a slot more often and be utilized differently with John Brown being an outside receiver. If John Brown's not there and Ruggs is going to basically be forced to play the outside, as we saw last year, he struggles getting off the line consistently, and he's probably going to have to be doing more and more, you know, those go routes again to clear up space for a lot of teams because you don't have anybody else really to clear up, open up anything or any other second or third speed option on the offense, so to speak, so to speak. So I think this actually hurts Henry Ruggs. I love it for Edwards. I think it just makes it, him basically going to be a guy who's going to get peppered with targets. Uh, I think it makes him clearly the number one receiver, like I said, on the outside especially. And I, I think this is really interesting news. Now, I also want to just comment that John Brown requested to be cut as well because he got, I think, he has, from what I understand, he knew where he was kind of falling in the food chain and he was a better opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, and we'll keep our eyes on him. I, on, look, I'm sorry, Raider fans, but Gruden is as vanilla and predictable as they come. Henry Ruggs, he's just going to be a decoy out there. That's all he's going to be. He's going to be a deep fly decoy, which, again, for Brian Edwards, I'm going to have my eye on him. He is somebody who emerges as a deep flyer for me in your drafts or a guy I'm going to at least have him on my watch list to see exactly what happens. Because, again, someone else who has Darren Waller has to catch the ball. We liked Brian Edwards' profile last year. We thought maybe he'd get an opportunity, didn't do much. Maybe this is a season where we start to see him. Maybe he becomes Nelson Aguilar of this offense. There's an opening for that. That's a possibility. And I think it would be him over Henry Ruggs, even though they spent the first round draft pick on Henry Ruggs. What we're going to do is take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Come back. Get into our quarterbacks and tight ends that are in our top 108, guys. Our biggest risers and fallers, because I just finished those rankings late last night after all the news that came out this weekend. So stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Fellas, take a minute to imagine what a great day is to you. Is it not a beautiful day with your buddies on the golf course for a full 18? Four! Is it not a day on the couch watching the games all day long? I know it's a great day for you when you can win tons of money. Well, then why not make it the perfect day when you sign up for Pigskin Golf today? A newly innovative way to play Pick'em style for the NFL season. There are multiple ways to win cash prizes from traditional Pick'em pools, full season survivor, last standing survivor, and weekly prizes like perfect weeks and six pack picks. You can sign up for free and play for the potential of winning prizes too, or even create your own groups for that office pool party. It's created to fit any budget from the casual play player to a high stakes winner it's 18 holes for 18 weeks so make it the perfect day when you sign up with pigskin golf today at pigskingolf.com slash mds fantasy you must sign up before september 9th for the season long pick'em you're listening to the md's fantasy football show 
And we are back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, talking about our top-ranked 108. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Join here with Chris Dowhauer on social media, at Show or on YouTube. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Channel. Chris, let's dive into it. So, we got 12 quarterbacks. My top 12 quarterbacks are in the top 108, just barely. Of course, we have Patrick Mahomes, number one. Nothing really to discuss there. Lamar Jackson, number two. We have something to discuss there. Plus two on him on the ADP. He's usually behind Kyler Murray. He's usually behind Josh Allen. The news of J.K. Dobbins does not change this for me at all, but it comes to Lamar Jackson, nor does the news about Rashad Bateman. This guy is ready to go. He's ready for another third 1,000-yard season in a row. So you have that floor to go with him. He's going to have more touchdowns than he did last season. Should have somewhere in between where he did two years ago and last year, if not closer to what he did two years ago when he threw for 36 touchdowns. Maybe he doesn't have a ton of yards, but he has better weapons around him to be at least be more efficient. Chris, what are you looking at with Lamar Jackson this year? Yeah, he's definitely number two on my board. I think Lamar Jackson is going to return to one of those top passing leaders again, especially when it comes to touchdowns. We talked about the you know the benefit of having additional weapons, maybe a little bit moving J.K. Dobbins moving on. Maybe the offense becomes more pass-oriented overall just because of that as well. And then you're right, the fact this guy came on toward the second half of the season as it was. He really struggled in the beginning of the season. There's little questions about how healthy he was, why he wasn't running necessarily. But I think this is going to be a bounce back year. I just think it's the year where a lot of critics of Lamar Jackson get to eat their words finally. Because all we kept hearing about is, you know, people trying to doubt him, people trying to throw water on his fire because, oh, he can't throw the ball, he can't do this, he can't do that. Now let's see what he can do when he has legitimate weapons. Now let's see what he can do when he, you know, has the opportunity to have multiple playmakers out that he can get the ball to. And let's also see how it benefits these other guys who've been productive, like Mark Andrews and some of the running backs. Will it be even more efficient and even better that when you have outside actual talent on the outside over like a Miles Boykin or Willie Sneed? So I'm really excited for Lamar Jackson, and I think this is going to be the sky's the limit a lot of ways for him. Um, before we kind of move on, I was just kind of hoping you would comment, Dan, about how you kind of come up with your rankings and, you know, your, your formula, you kind of do off air for people to kind of give them the numbers that you come up with to make your rankings. Well, I do. I mean, I do it a little bit differently than you're going to see most people do. Most people take it from the player and their advanced statistics, and then they kind of project it out through that, through the team. I do it kind of the opposite way around where I look at the team first because, you know, the player can't outproduce the team, right? So I look at the team statistics first because there is, there's a certain allotment of what a team is going to do throughout the year that you can, for the most part, kind of relatively project semi-accurately if you know what you're doing. And then from there, you can divvy that out to the players based on their analytics, their advanced statistics, their their efficiencies, and kind of go from there. So it's a trickle-down effect, and it just sets up very well for Lamar Jackson to have plus 30 touchdowns, over 1,000 rushing yards, and at least 3,500 uh, passing yards this season, which should make him a QB too at the end of the day, especially in the 17 game year. Remember last year, Lamar Jackson from weeks nine through 17 was the QB one. Remember he, he started the year. We think he might've been a little bit banged up. They're being a little bit conservative with him. The offense in general from Greg Roman was not being called the same way. And all those things kind of played into why Lamar was disappointing for really the first half of the season. I get it. If you had Lamar, you were hurting because you spent a high draft pick on him and he did not, come through for you, ultimately speaking. But if you were able to make the playoff run, 
Lamar was the guy. Lamar was the number one guy. I expect that to carry on into this season. I don't expect there to be any kid gloves. He's not coming into this year a little bit banged up. He is ready to go. That's why I'm big on Lamar Jacks returning to number two. But that's also why I say this. Don't draft quarterbacks too early because they have to, they basically have to have record breaking type years. If you take one in the second round, like I'm a Holmes, Lamar Jackson, they have to have a record breaking type year in order to return investment on, on, on your draft pick there. So just don't do it too early. Don't burn yourself in that situation, but also at the same time, don't be afraid to take a guy who needs to be taken. Well, I'm one of the guys I have ahead or I have behind him that a lot of people are bigger on is Josh Allen, who comes in at our number four spot. Now, the reason why I have Josh Allen behind Lamar and Kyler Murray, I don't think it's a stretch. You know, I don't think too many people are going to argue about him being behind Patrick Mahomes, but he signs his contract extension. Now, Allen's still going to get his rushing statistics. He's still going to get some rushing touchdowns, but is it going to be the same? Are they going to treat him a little bit more with kid gloves? Are they going to really want him pounding his way at the goal line? Are they not going to try to give Zach Moss or Devin Stingletary a few extra attempts to try to save Josh Allen's body to some degree? I think you might see some conservative approaches when it comes to his rushing statistics this, this season. On top of the fact that it's going to be hard for him to duplicate what he did last year throwing the football. Now, the volume's going to be there. If that last preseason game showed anything, is that Brian DeBall wants to throw, 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 throw. I don't dispute that volume. But we talked about on this show, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to be able to duplicate what he did efficiency throwing the football last year because it's hard for any quarterback to go 70% completion percentage, especially down the field like the way he was. So, Chris, where are you at in Josh Allen? Do you agree with the ranking there? I actually would probably have him one spot higher. I like him a little bit over Kyler Murray, but I don't think it's some, you know, a, a huge stretch what you're talking about. For me, I do agree with you definitely that Josh Allen's rushing uh, might be more limited this year, and I think that is going to necessarily knock him down a little bit, could knock him down a little bit. Um, but I do was very impressed with that preseason game. I have to admit, I've always questioned Josh Allen's, you know, accuracy. I was kind of expecting a decline in that. And he threw he threw some lasers and he threw the ball really accurately. And he was actually being able, especially the close throws where they were making, they were all on, they were all on time. They hit guys in stride. So that was something that was very impressive. And Stefan Diggs didn't play that game. So all those different things made me kind of impressed. Maybe Josh Allen isn't going to have the decline I kind of expected. But I do understand. I do agree with you that I think the rushing is going to be something you're a little bit concerned about because while you might see more it continue to be efficient as a quarterback in the volume there, um, the passing game, I don't know if you're going to see the running running ability or the touchdowns, especially in the red zone, like we had to see in the last couple of years. We already saw the decline last year happen. Yeah, I, look, Josh, that that pass that he threw to Gabriel Davis in, in the red zone that was that was a thing of beauty. That was a beautiful pass. So I'm with you there. He was very very impressive throughout that contest. Another guy that I have a little bit different than most, Tom Brady, uh, my number six quarterback. That's three spots ahead of ECR, three spots ahead of ADP. I know there's some people out there that want to bake in the risk of Brady's 44. The fall off could happen. Look, unless this guy gets hurt, we have to start predicting that there's some kind of fall off coming because it just hasn't shown. Every time we expected the fall off to be, Brady finds a way to be like, yeah, no, not so much. And you look at this team, and you look at Antonio Brown, and you look at Mike Evans, and you look at Chris Godwin, and you look at Rob Gronkowski, and you look at O.J. Howard, and you look at Cameron Bray, and you look at Leonard Fournette, and you look at Ronald Jones, and you look at Giovanni Bernard. He could be conservative and walk in the 4,800 yards and 35 touchdowns this season. I have him for 39 and pushing 5,000 because of this Arians offense and these weapons. So Tom Brady, my number six quarterback, and I feel pretty confident about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I had Tom Brady in my top five, and we talked about our top five quarterbacks a couple of shows ago, and I think that Tom Brady is due to really, really explode this year. I mean, the guy finished nine last year, and he played on a, on a torn MCL. He was still adjusting to the system, and now all those things are different. You have a healthy Tom Brady. You have weapons you just talked about. You have Antonio Brown having the whole offseason in that offense and with him. Oh, and then you add Giovanni Bernard, a pass-catching back out of the backfield for Tom Brady, so he doesn't have to have a couple of drops per game for Miles Jones. Um, so I think when you add up all those different factors, you Tom Brady is not only going to probably do what he did, what he did last year, he should actually improve. And we last time we saw Tom Brady with kind of weapons around him for full season preparing, I mean, it was from Randy Moss's days in New England. This guy was unstoppable. I feel the Tampa Bay defense to be pretty good. I expect them to get the, get the ball back into Brady's hands more often than not. And add the caveat, this division sucks, especially defensively. So Tom Brady has a lot of opportunity just to have some gaudy numbers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's, it's sky's the limit. I don't care. He's 44. Again, I'm not projecting him for a fall off because he can't with Tom Brady anymore. He defies logic. He defies it all. And you have all the weapons in the world. This is going to be a top notch offense. And it's going to start off week one, by the way, because you get a nice matchup against Dallas on top of it. And keep in mind with Brady, he's going as a QB nine, which means you can probably get him in double digit rounds. And he should have, while he doesn't have the rushing ability of some of these other guys, and that's why he doesn't make it into my top five. He's going to be as safe as they come and be able to put up points with the best of them on a week-in, week-out basis, especially depending upon the matchup. So you have a safe top-10 quarterback, in my opinion. And that's why I got him at number six with all the weapons that he has. Another guy, a little controversial, a little higher on him than most, and Jalen Hurts is my number seven. I have him number seven inside the top 10. He's going as QB 11 in most drafts. This is purely Hurts, I think, is going to have to wind up being the offense with his legs, with his playmaking ability. I know they got brought in guys like Devonta Smith. I know they have Dallas Goddard and apparently a potentially resurgence of Zach Ertz. We'll see exactly what happens. I know you have Miles Sanders, but ultimately Hertz is going to have to make things happen with his legs. This is not going to be a very good offense. And I think they're going to be in a lot of garbage time. So while I don't, he's not a good passer, he's going to be about, you know, maybe 52, 53% completion percentage. The volume is still going to be there for him to have good passing numbers in certain matchups. And the Eagles don't play anybody that hard. Other than Washington, nobody in that division has a good defense, and they kick off the season with Atlanta. That's why I love Hurts as that late flyer QB that I'm very confident is going to be a top eight guy. Yeah, I'm, you're definitely a little higher on Jalen Hurts than I would be. I can't have him over Dak Prescott, and I can't have him over Aaron Rodgers. But I don't argue that I think that he's got an outstanding floor, particularly with those legs. I do agree that their offense is going to be built around him and kind of him generating plays for them. Um, I, I do question his longevity in some some aspects as a result of that. Will he get kind of banged up running around? Will the Eagles kind of get down on him if they start off kind of slow? We talked about the ministry trade. We talked about having Joe Flacco as a backup. Um, so I do kind of question whether or not he's going to be consistent throughout the whole season. Will it kind of, you know, will they start will be a clamor in Philadelphia to kind of bring in somebody in the bring in the backups if he's struggling at all? But I do think that overall, when this guy's out there, he'll be productive because especially with those legs, I think that he's going to be able to you know, have some solid numbers. 
The last guy I want to talk about in my top 12 quarterbacks that are in my top 108 overall is Trevor Lawrence. Now, his ADP actually went down a spot. He was QB 14 for most of the season. He's now QB 15 ADP and ECR. I am a QB 9. Chris, this is somewhere where you and I have differed a little bit when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. Now, that last preseason game was his best game. He looked very impressive, and he had the least amount of weapons out there because he didn't even have Marvin Jones or DJ Chark out there. It's preseason, I know. But I stick to the volume's going to be there. I believe in Trevor Lawrence's talent. For a rookie quarterback going to a team that had the worst record in the NFL last season, he actually has some weapons around him, even though they lost to Travis Etienne. I believe through volume and his ability to use his legs, which he will have to use because that offensive line is beyond future. There's going to be times where he's going to have to just run away. He's going to walk his way into top 10 performances on a floor basis. Does it happen right away to kick off the season? Maybe, I mean, maybe they play Houston, but more in the beginning of the year. Is it like Joe Burrow where it takes maybe three or four weeks and all of a sudden he gets going and rolling and hopefully what happened to Burrow doesn't happen to Trevor Lawrence. But I believe in this guy's talent and the situation he's in from a fantasy standpoint to finish in a top 10 guy, a real value for me in that top 108, a real core player, especially if you're waiting late at quarterback. Yeah, we talked about this in Belly Up Fantasy Live on Tuesdays from 8.30 to 10. Um, and I think that we all would kind of had a different take on some aspects where we weren't as high on Trevor Lawrence after we had kind of seen. I think, I think his talent is outstanding. But I also have huge questions about this offense in general. I hate their coaching staff, particularly offensively. I'm not a big um, Schottenheimer as the passing coordinator. I think it's just stupid. And I think that having some, you know, Bevel has kind of a, I kind of love, love hate with him where sometimes he can coach, sometimes he can't. I'm really curious to see how this offense unfolds, particularly not having Travis Etienne. Um, I'm not, I don't think James Robinson is going to be nearly as effective as Etienne was kind of in the passing game. And I also think it's going to be something that kind of hinders this offense in a lot of ways because. I'm not sure if Urban Meyer's system, quote-unquote, is going to transfer as well as they kind of want it to. And I think this team's still going to be trying to be as run-oriented as possible. This offensive line's horrendous, particularly in pass protection. So I do have some concerns about Trevor Lawrence's upside. I don't necessarily love him in the, as a first, you know, your QB1. Um, but I, I understand loving his talent. I understand loving the opportunity that they're going to probably be in a lot of garbage, point, garbage games. Um, and he has some chance to kind of rack up some yards here or there doing that. But overall, I'm really kind of scared with Trevor Lawrence. Well, I think the situation Jacksonville doesn't seem too good to me. The offensive line is the only thing that I have a problem with. I don't I mean, look, James Robinson showed that he was a fine pass catcher last season. No, he's not the explosiveness of Travis Etienne, but I think they'll probably use LaVisca Chenault more in those type of roles anyway. But he was a fine safety blanket. There was nothing wrong with what he brought to the table. Andrew Luck, his rookie year goes to the Pro Bowl, was a fantasy asset and didn't have the gaudiest numbers. Only had 23 touchdowns that, that year. But I believe that Colts team in 2012 is similar to this Jacksonville team where the volume is going to be there because of his talent. He's still going to be a top 10 fantasy guy because he can run a little bit and he's going to have actual weapons to be able to throw the football to. That's all the quarterbacks I really want to talk about. Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford kind of round out that top 12 list. All solid options. We all know why. Let's talk about the tight ends that we have in the top 108. And it happens to be 12 tight ends, my top 12 tight ends that wind up being in the 108 territory. Now, Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, given. We all know this. Top three guys. Kittle could definitely overtake Waller if he's able to stay healthy, but that remains to be seen because you have to bake that in. I feel pretty confident about the order and the list that they're in. TJ Hawkins and Mark Andrews, that's been up for debate between Chris and I on this show as far as which one's four, which one's five, but ultimately we have both of them in the top six, relatively speaking. The one we got to talk about is I have Tyler Higby. 
which I know this is going to be minority, but I have Tyler Higby ahead of Kyle Pitts at six. That's five spots higher than ADP and ECR. I am big on Tyler Higby this season with what he can do now that he is the true tight end with Matthew Stafford. And while they have the weapons like a Robert Woods and a Cooper Cup, there's still not a clear cut third pass catcher on that team, especially in the red zone. And that's where I think Tyler Higby could really do a lot of damage. And the great thing about him is because he is a good blocker. He's going to be on the field all the time. Higby is a guy you can draft right now. 12th, 13th. You can draft him outside of the top 108 in your drafts. And I feel very confident you're going to get a top six guy. Yeah, you're huge on Tyler Higby. We talked about this before. I mean, I definitely think he's one of the guys that you can target. I think he's a sleeper tight end position. I think he should be one of them, you know, definitely our first tight end in the sense where he's drafted in the first 12, uh, you know, top 12, I should say. But I am not necessarily as high as you are. I do think there's going to be other mouths to feed. I like Henderson being utilized in the passing game. I do like Deshaun Jackson as long as he's healthy being out there, kind of utilizing the passing game. So while I know Stafford historically loves to throw those tight ends, I think Higby's got a lot of opportunity in the red zone, and you hopefully if he can eat in the red zone, he'll be you know maybe reach that top six. But I think overall, I kind of question the volume consistently for him to be that high. Um, I just don't I don't love him quite as much as you do, but I do think he's going to be somebody that people won't necessarily regret having on their team at all. Look, Tyler Higby was out there with Jared Goff without a Gerald Everett with Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup all on the field and was the tight end one in a five-week stretch. I'm not worried about the extra pass catchers. That's not gonna Part of this yeah. offense is the play action and on these tight ends coming through in the middle. I think the huge difference to me, though, is that we know Jared Goff became less and less aggressive down the field. As a result, Tyler Higby was his safety security blanket. Will Matthew Stafford make those same check down throws over and over again that we kind of saw Jared Goff do? That's fair, but... I do believe the volume will be there. And my point more with Higby is this, and this is why I don't want to draft Kyle Pitts where he's being drafted at, which is usually in those top six rounds. You can get these, va- these value tight ends are here this year. This isn't going to be the same desolate position that it was a season ago. Now it's not going to be great, but there are values to be had here, which is why I'm big on, if you're not going to get a top three tight end, wait, because you have guys like Higby, you have guys like Janu Smith, who you can get in those double digit rounds that are in prime positions to really perform well for you. So don't take the chance on a mid-level tight end, like a Kyle Pitts, like a Noah Fant, those types of guys, like a Dallas Goddard, those guys in those ranges who do have some floor potential risks in their game in those mid-round levels where you should be stocking up on running backs and wide receivers when you can get guys like a Tyler Higby and a Janu Smith, who I want to talk about now a little bit later on. Janu Smith coming up on my list as tight end nine inside my top 10 ahead of ADP and ECR by four and five spots. Janu Smith's going to be the number one pass catcher on the Patriots. I don't know why people don't recognize this. And maybe he'll move up now over this weekend with the news of Cam Newton coming out and Mac Jones being the starting quarterback because now people seem a little bit more excited about the surrounding talent with them. I don't understand this argument that Hunter Henry being there kills Janu Smith from being able to be a top 10 tight end. It makes no sense to me. To me, I'm like, these two might be the top two pass catchers. And we've seen a Patriots team with Josh McDaniels with a pocket-passing quarterback service two tight ends in the top 10. I don't know why it's a stretch with these two. Yeah, I think Janu Smith is one of those guys that I'm definitely as high on as you are. Um, I think this guy has opportunity to really explode this year. We've always kind of been, you know, he's always had tantalizing talent. This guy can you know, run with the best of him at the tight end position. 
He had eight touchdowns last year, and even though he split a lot of time with multiple tight ends in Tennessee last year, I think this is a chance to shine. They paid him big-time money to be that guy. I think you're going to see this offense really utilize tight end position overall and be able to, and be able to utilize both of them. To your point, I mean, I think this is, there's this narrative that you know one, one can't eat while the other one does. I look at it very differently. I think that you're going to see Hunter Henry compliments Junior Smith perfectly. They both can block. They both can run patterns. They both can be red zone targets. I think what you're going to have a hard time is deciding who to actually kind of focus on, which is going to allow both of them to be successful. So I think overall, I like the I like the opportunity for this. And I like Junior Smith, especially where he's going at in ADP wise. Um, I think his value is outstanding. It's not huge news, but we got some news coming. Up. Breaking news. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Gene Vibonard dealing with a mid-high ankle sprain, but they expect him to be back next week for the games. There's something to kind of keep in mind there. Keep your eyes on for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yet, Janu Smith last year was a top 10 tight end in 14 games. Not getting a ton of targets, but getting eight touchdowns. Bill Belichick has always hyped up Janu Smith. It's touted him when he was in Tennessee for years. First signing they made, all this money they spent this free agency that gets talked about, the first signing they made was Janu Smith. That was who they wanted. That's who they plan on featuring. I think there's a great chance he's able to duplicate his touchdown numbers along with volume to go with it. And I still Absolutely. think Hunter Henry is going to be a nice viable option too. Go ahead. I was going to say absolutely. And he's a depressed fit. I mean, I think well, I'm not always high on Josh McDaniels because I think he made some questionable decisions sometimes. He definitely is one of the few coaches that we can bank on being able to utilize two, two tight ends. It wasn't just Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. We saw Michael Bennett with uh, Gronk actually be very efficient and very productive when he was healthy. So you've seen kind of this already in play in New England. So there's no reason this should change in any kind of way. I'm with you. I think Janu Smith is definitely somebody people need to be start talking about more and stop forgetting about. Yeah, 100%. So that's going to do it for the quarterbacks and tight ends that I want to talk about. They're inside our top 108. We're going to get a quick word in from our sponsor. We're going to talk about the running backs on the other side, guys that we are, you know, particular risers or fallers on the new rankings, on the new information, talk about some values coming up because this is a big draft weekend for everybody. So stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show or on YouTube the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel, and we will be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. 
Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we're back. We're back on the MD Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We're going over our top 108 players, the guys who are making up the core of your teams, the core of your championship run, finding values, especially after all the news that came out after this weekend, the changes that have been made in my rankings leading up into the biggest draft weekend of the year, which, by the way, for the people who are drafting this weekend, Round, round, of, round of applause. This is why you wait. This past week is why you wait until the last possible moment. Because now all of a sudden, if you drafted August and you had J.K. Dobbins, God forbid if you drafted in July, some teams did. You could have had Cam Akers, Travis Etienne. This is why you wait. You have to. It makes the, and It's the most fair thing because now all of a sudden you're stuck behind the eight ball and your entire season goes out the window before week one even happens. We don't want to see that. We want to have fun in fantasy football. Part of having fun is having your players at least there for week one. Injuries are going to happen throughout the year, but at least having for them for week one. That's part of it. So we're talking about our 108. We just went over the quarterbacks, the tight ends. We talked about some NFL news at the beginning of the show. Now I want to get into our running backs that are in the top 108. And there's 41 total that I have in the top one or 43, excuse me, running backs in my top 108 in half point PPR leagues. The top five, while it could be debatable as far as your preference pick, the top five is pretty much in line with everybody's top five. Christian McCaffrey. I have Derrick Henry number two, just because the guy's a touchdown machine. He's an absolute monster. And look, even if he has the floor that comes with the fact that he doesn't catch the ball as much as you know the Kamaras, the Dalvin Cooks, the Ezekiel Elliott's that are also in this list, what he does have, and that's kind of why I rank him number two, is the fact that you know Come playoff time, come December, come when the weather changes. He's a monster that you can't stop. And I will pin it, I will pin some extra value on a guy that I know is going to come through for me when I need him to the most. Yeah, I may have a little bit of different order on that, but I will not argue top, Derek Henry deserves to be the top four. And you add the caveat, not only is he a beast in the running game, you add a Julio Jones so that you can't even focus on this guy taking him away. Oh, and by the way, they play the Texans twice and the Jaguars twice, so that never hurts. No, it's, it's a beautifully beneficial <laughs> beautifully beneficial thing that you get to have when you come and talk about Derrick Henry. So outside of that, I do have Saquon number six. I moved him up a little bit because he will be. He, we get confirmation that he's going to be available week one. I know there's still some conversation. Is he definitively going to get his workload come week one? Chris, we talked about this a little bit on this show. I just kind of want to reiterate there is theory, and then there's execution. And the theory for the Giants is, oh, well, let's ease them in. Let's get Devontae Booker out there. And then there's the execution of it, which is your offense is going to be putrid without a Saquon Barkley. Kenny Galladay just got back to practice. And we'll talk about a little, a little bit more about him in tomorrow's show and what his progress is. But even before that, 
it didn't sound like him and Daniel Jones were getting on the same page very well. I mean, he spent a lot of money on that. Darius Slayton's a little bit banged up. Maybe he's back for week one. Evan Ingram out for the next three weeks at least with his injury, him going on the IR. You're going to need Saquon Barkley if you're going to get this offense going. And that's why I moved him. I had him at eight. I moved him back up into six. Even though I'm still a little bit worried about the injury risk, which is why I keep him outside the top five. But I believe he's going to get his workload early. Yeah, I'm going to take a little bit different take of this, but I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just think for me, Saquon, as long as he's healthy, deserves to be up in that, that top six. And the key reason for me is he doesn't need volume. This isn't a guy who necessarily gets better after 20, 30 touches. This is a guy you need to have the big play. That's what he kind of revolved around for so, so far since his career has kind of started and what he's basically brought to the table. I mean, don't forget the first game he had last year, he had over 25 carries, and he had only had 60 or 70 yards. So he was very disappointing with the extra volume, quote-unquote. This is a guy who can get you, if he gets 15 touches, he's probably going to have over 100 yards easy for you and probably score a touchdown. So what you what my excitement about is what he brings to the table is more explosiveness. And if he's explosive and he's healthy, he doesn't need to have necessarily the quote unquote volume to be successful. And you know, does he come with some risk? Yes. Do I typically like to take risks in the first round? No. But when you're talking about a guy who could truly be an RB one if he actually stays healthy rather than season, despite Jason Garrett, despite the offensive line, despite Daniel Jones. He, had, he belongs there, like you said, in the top six. We're not worried about that, and I am just not as worried about as other people are when it comes to his work share early on in the year. Other guys to talk about in this little grouping here that we have in our top 46 of value. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I'm much bigger on him than consensus. I have him as my number 10 running back. That's seven spots ahead of ADP, eight spots ahead of ECR. Am I a little worried about the groin and being banged up in general, the concussions last season. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that. But this entire offense is going to revolve around the running backs. It's surrounded by coaches who provide great running back production. Anthony Lynn, Dan Campbell coming from the New Orleans Saints. I don't see why DeAndre Swift is not a younger version of an Alva Kamara. Now, will the Detroit offense be as good as that Saints offense? No, it won't be. And that's what's going to hinder him to some degree. But even Jamal Williams is involved 35-40% of the time. It's still 55-60% of the work going to DeAndre Swift. And, kind of to your Saquon Barkley point, I don't need this guy to get a ton of volume. Why? Because he's super explosive. The other thing I like is that, although they're not playing up to probably their potential at the moment, the Detroit Lions offensive line is actually pretty good. Despite all their troubles at the wide receiver position and what Jared Goff's going to be, who's going to be the top pass catchers, I actually have faith that that offensive line, as this season wears on, is going to be very beneficial for Anthony Lynn's system and this running game. And that's why I'm big on DeAndre Swift being a top 12 running back this season. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't necessarily agree with DeAndre Swift where we kind of fall on him. But to defend your point, I will point out that Aaron Jones split carries with Jamal Williams and still finished easily in the top 10 as a running back last year. Top five. You know, yeah, Austin Eckler has have been historically when he's healthy and very productive sharing time. Um, we've seen this happen before. So it's not a guy that usually has to have 70% of the touches or 70% of the running game be involved. He can actually still split carries and still be very effective if the, because of the system he's kind of in and the utilization he will have. So I, you know, I'm not as big on him maybe as you are. I will say that I do think this guy has a lot of skills, has the ability to kind of easily match it. And don't make the argument because he's not kind of the volume is why you can't take him high. Let's scroll down the list a little bit more. Let's talk about some of the guys that are, you know, newly emerged into this top end area, starting off with James Robinson. So I was going to be curious to see, you know, part of going through my rankings, I was, I was just one of the guys was very curious where I was going to wind up with him. And I actually wind up in half point PPR leagues, putting at my RB 16 
feel pretty confident about that. I'm not worried. Look, I actually projected Carlos Hyde to get 30% of the work share. So I actually have him involved in a significant way. And yet James Robinson still comes out as my top 16 running back because of the volume, because he will be able to, he's one of the few backs that will give you three down work along with goal line on top of it. We know what he did with volume last year on what I think is a worse team than it is this year, despite everything else. So I'm big on James Robinson taking him as a mid-level RB2. I don't think he has the RB1 finish that he did a season ago. I think a lot of that was circumstantial. A lot of that was unexpected injuries. But he's going to be, I think, as consistent as they come on a week-to-week basis as far as production goes because of the volume. Yeah, I'm not quite as high on James Robinson. I think people are kind of expecting him to replicate what he did last year, and I think that's going to be a different situation this year. I think Jacksonville is more talented, as you kind of pointed out, than they were last year. I think you have a quarterback that runs a little bit more than the quarterback they had last year. I think that you have an offense that's going to have more playmakers on the outside, and hopefully DJ Shark's healthy, so they're going to be more healthier on the outside. I think a lot of things fell into James Robinson's favor last year. Overall, his rushing wasn't all that great. He did over over 1,000 yards, which he kind of pointed out. There's a lot of injuries last year. That's kind of why he had to finish. But I don't think the volume of the passing game is going to necessarily be there that was last year. That kind of gave him that floor you really expected out of him. I think it's going to be a little different with those pass catchers that they kind of have, and I think the opportunity for some other guys. I kind of question how involved James Robinson will be in the passing game and will he be able to do what he did last year because a lot of that, like I said, his production did come in the passing game. Um, so I, I'm not quite as high. I do think he needs to be in the discussion as maybe a borderline RB2, RB3 guy, but I wouldn't go necessarily as high as you're going. He was one of the best running backs running out of the shotgun last season, which is pretty much all they're going to do this year. And he ran for 1,000 yards. He wasn't particularly efficient behind a bad offensive line and defenses who all knew what was coming because they had nothing else. I think actually the weapons helps him. He's going to see more six-man boxes. He's going to have a chance to be more efficient in this system. So I disagree with you that it's a disadvantage for him because the offense got better. And while Trevor Lawrence definitely does scramble a little bit more than the quarterbacks they had last year, make no mistake, Jacksonville's not going to be sitting up there at the goal line situations running read option with Trevor Lawrence at the goal line. It's not going to happen. It's not If he scrambles, it's because he, he improved on his own. It's not going to be designed runs for Trevor Lawrence to run in there. They're not going to risk their franchise. So I'm not worried about him usurping touchdowns from James Robinson on top of it. So that's why I, I disagree with you on that point being a hindrance for a James Robinson. And that's pretty much why he makes my mid-level territory. Uh, one guy did move up a little bit, David Montgomery, Three Cohen goes on the IR. We don't have to worry about him. I still think Damian Williams is going to be involved an annoying amount, unfortunately, because of Matt Nagy and because he is a pass catching back. However, I still did move him up. However, I'm still I'm actually still below ADP. I was surprised. I moved him from 22 to 19. I'm still three spots below ADP, four spots below ECR. It's not that I don't recognize that the potential for David Montgomery is there. I just worry how long is Andy Dalton the starter? How long does Matt Nagy call the plays and the ceiling limit that comes with that for David Montgomery. Yeah, I can understand the concerns. I mean, I mean for me, the only thing I have really knock on him is basically Nagy. Then Nagy is basically the detriment that we're kind of all worried about. Will he consistently stick to utilizing the running game? Will he get cute and try to keep using Damian Williams in past situations? But I'm hopeful that Montgomery kind of showed that he should be the guy. Everything coming out of Chicago, rhetoric-wise, at least has said that he will kind of consistently be used. They're hoping to get him 20 touches. Um, I think as long as he has opportunity, and I think he has some upside 
because while you might have some doubts about Andy Dalton as a quarterback, he will check the ball down, so he will be involved in the passing game early on. And when Fields takes over, I think that's also going to be a big benefit going into the playoff stretch if you have like a David Montgomery. We saw him have a really good second half of the year last year. Granted, it was against you know not the greatest defenses, but I think in overall the division, that defense, a lot of defenses are still questionable in that division. So I think there's a chance for him to still be pretty effective. I don't necessarily think he has to be a guy that, you know, I think we both agree that he's probably going to be in that 15 to 20 range. So where you have him, I can't argue too strongly, but I do think he's somebody that people need to consider, you know, don't expect that he's just going to fall off the face of the earth. No, and I believe in David Montgomery's talent too, by the way, which is why I do definitely see the upside potential for him. But let's talk about a guy that I promised, you know, MD Nation, we would talk about in a little bit of detail here, Gus Edwards. I got him ranked at RB20. And that's three spots of eighty ahead of ADP, thirteen spots ahead of ECR. So as far as the expert rankings go, I am well ahead of them, and I don't get why he'd be that low. I don't get why he'd be a mid-level RB three. This guy, remember back Lamar Jackson's rookie season, which was also Gus Edwards' rookie season, when he took over, he was on pace, and this was the later half of the year when he took over. But when he took over as the main guy, he was on pace for a fifteen hundred yard season rushing the football. I know Tyson Williams is flash in preseason. He's looked good. I know he'll be involved. That That's fine. I mean, the, the Ravens run the ball so much that somebody else has to be involved by default. Gus Edwards in prime position to get 18, maybe 20 carries a game in this offense with this system that he's already proven that he can produce at a huge clip. And now without J.K. Dobbins there, I think eight touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns is very much in the conversation for Gus Edwards, a plus 1,200 yard season. Everybody wants to knock on him for his lack of targets that he's going to get. Look, J.K. Dobbins might have had the profile of a pass catching back, but this offense doesn't provide pass catching backs anyway. So being that Edwards is going to be out there for as much as he is, he gets 20 targets. That's only four off what Dobbins got last year. I don't need you to get a lot of targets. Is... Derrick Henry is the top guy and doesn't catch the ball. The poor man version of Derrick Henry is Nick Chubb, who's in the top 10 because of how well he runs. Well, the poor man version of Nick Chubb is now Gus Edwards. That means you're very, very valuable, even though you don't necessarily catch the ball. He's going to be as safe of an RB2 as they come because he's always going to be involved because his Ravens offense is always going to be the identity of this team. And he's effective, and it's a good offensive line, and you have Lamar Jackson to make it that much more efficient. I love Gus Edwards at the value that he's being drafted right now because right now he's only going in those fifth, sixth round territory. And he's as solid an RB2 as you can get on top of the fact that injury-wise, he's not a guy that I'm worried about missing a ton of games on top of it. So you have that safety when you're trying to draft him and put a team around him to begin with. I love Gus Edwards as my RB2, Chris. What do you think? I'm 100% aboard with you. I'm probably even more a little more, more excited than maybe even you are. I think Gus Edwards is definitely an RB too. And I love that you made the Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry points. You know, Nick Chubb has been very successful the last few, couple of years and one of the top backs to have, plus when he's healthy. There's no reason Gus Edwards can't approach similar numbers. He, I mean, he's averaging five yards a carry. It's not like he's just a plotter out there. He's got Lamar Jackson as his quarterback, so you're always going to have to basically keep your defensive end or your linebacker kind of keeping an eye on him. He's going to have, in my opinion, he's going to easily get double digit touchdowns. I think, I think eight's kind of even low for wide. I think he's going to score at least 10, no, no doubt in my mind. Um, we saw Mark Ingram finish in the top five a couple of years ago when he was healthy, only getting about 14, 15 carries. 
So me, if Gus Edwards is going to get 15 to 17 carries per game in that offense, which we both all agree is more explosive and has better playmakers on the outside, so you can't play eight, nine in the box versus the Ravens. He's got, I think this guy is going to easily be RB2 for people and is a great outstanding value to get your hands on. I'm not worried about him kind of splitting touches with somebody else. I think he's going to be even more just as effective regardless. Um, I think when you look at it, you know, even Taysom Hill's utilizing the passing game or utilizes kind of that tandem in the Gus Edwards role. We've seen that RB1 and, and, the, and the Ravens basically eat the past few seasons, whether it was Ingram, whether it was Dobbins last year. So there's no reason Gus Edwards won't continue to thrive. And I think somebody that people need to definitely take note of and stop being so, you know, he doesn't catch the ball. As you pointed out, this offense isn't built around the running back catching the ball. But his offense is the most physical offenses in football. And when teams are playing nickel and dime, are you going to tackle Gus Edwards with your line, your corner nickel with your, you know, these small linebackers weigh 220, he outweighs them. We see Derrick Henry why he's so effective. We see why Nick Chip's so effective. These guys who run hard and are bigger backs are paying the ass for these, these leagues to defend against because they're not built to defend against these kind of guys. And I'm excited about Gus Edwards. I think he's got the sky's limit for him this year. 100% agree. Another guy to talk about news and, you know, we were going to get into Damian Harris. Of course, he moves up my rankings with the, addition of Mac Jones, because now all of a sudden he's in position to not have rushing touchdowns usurped from him. He's in position to maybe have the ball thrown more his way. I still have to see that. I still have to see how much James White is involved and how, because when I go back to Damian Harris, as far as catching the football goes, and I'll talk about the plus side on him in a, in a minute, you go back to Tom Brady and they had Sony, they had Sony Michelle, they had James White, even though Sony Michelle had the profile of a pass catcher coming out of college, they just didn't let him play that role, period. So I still worry about Josh McDaniels not allowing Damian Harris to play that role because you still have James White, the almighty James White, as I call him as far as the New England Patriot goes, coming in on third downs or every passing down situation, essentially, taking away Damian Harris's ability to have that opportunity. However, with the Cam News, even if that winds up being the case, the Patriots are still going to be a physical team. We're still going to want to run the ball. That does not change with the way they set up this team with that good offensive line and the two tight end sets that they're going to be running. They are going to be a ground to pound, run it north and south down your throat, which fits Harris very well. Like I said, his touchdown ceiling goes up now without Cam Newton. So he becomes my RB 25 and half point PPR leagues. It's one spot ahead of ADP and ECR. That borderline low end, high end RB2, RB3. If he can take his game to the next level this year, which should be in the cards for him. You might be talking about a guy who has mid-level RB2 upside because I do like his talent quite a bit. Yeah, I like his talent. I like the Patriots offensive line. I think that a lot of things add up for him to being, being successful. And we kind of talked about some previous shows. My hope for him is that while I agree that Josh McDaniels has a tendency to pitch and hold guys, with Rex Burkhead moving on, thank God, um, without with Sonny Michelle getting traded, you actually have kind of a void there for that Rex Burkhead role. And if he can just get a couple Let more... Let me cut you off more. for one second. Right. Are you worried about J.J. Taylor, who no. they've talked about kind of doing that role, taking on that role? I think J.J. Taylor's more an explosive guy. I think the reason he might be... fact He might be rotated in there a little bit, but I don't see him being a, the clear pass-catching guy. One thing J.J. Taylor can't do is pass-protect. Rex Burkhead was used a lot of times in the situations because he can do both. He can run and he can pass-protect and he can catch the ball. I think Harris has kind of really shown that he can do all three of those things as well. He has familiarity with him with Matt Jones back in Alabama days. So I think there's got a couple of things that add up in his favor. 
I'm not going to say he's going to go out there and catch 60 balls. Then you know, we know James White, the almighty James White, as you're saying, is always going to be that guy who's going to utilize in the third third downs. Probably when the Patriots are behind, will be out there more more than not. But if he can just get a couple of those targets and just be utilized a little bit more in the passing game, a la Rex Burkhead was, where it's not so clear cut that you know this guy's going to get the ball and here comes the run up the you know run up the middle basically every time he's in the game. I think it's not only going to help him maybe help be more successful statistically with having you know more catches and more yards that way, but also being more efficient because you're not just sitting there guessing what's going to come and knowing exactly what's going to come just because he's in the game. Last running back that's in our top 108 that I want to talk about on today's show because he moved up a pretty significant amount on my board. If I can actually get the right graphic up there for you to see him. Trey Sermon is now my RB31. I'm actually now more in line with the ADP and ECR where they had him ranked. I was a little bit lower before, mostly due to two things. One, it looks like Moser and Sermon are both going to be utilized quite a bit together in the same game. But two, Moser goes down. There's, the one thing I profiled Sermon out to be going into the draft, and this was before the 49ers took him, was that I thought he screamed Alfred Morris to me. And now he goes to the system where he gets to be that. So if Moser goes down for any significant length of time, I think you could actually see a guy who's giving you RB1 level production in that system because his skill set fits it so well, even if he's not necessarily involved in the passing game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So Trey Sermon moves up to 31 for me. He is hands down probably the number one handcuff in my mind, but he's more than that. Kind of along the lines of a cream hunt. You're number you're you're a big time handcuff, but you're also potentially a flex play. The other thing I like about Trey Sermon is the David Montgomery factor from last year. You look at this 49ers schedule, especially in the playoffs. There's a real chance if anything happens to Moster and Sermon's the guy during that stretch that he's David Montgomery all over again. So that's the other reason why I move up Sermon to my mid-level RB3 territory at RB31. Yeah, I can't argue against that. And then we also know Moster tends to get injured especially the last couple of years. So all it takes is one injury for him to miss a couple of games and, and Trey Sermon's going to be blowing up. We've already seen the 49ers be able to you know, feature multiple running backs and be successful doing so. We've seen Kyle Shanahan kind of a history of doing so. The only question I kind of have is who's going to be the pass catcher, quote unquote, back in that backfield? Will they kind of will one of those guys kind of lose snaps? I think as a tandem they work really well, especially when the 49ers are up. But if the 49ers fall behind, who's going to play? That's my only curiosity with this whole situation in the backfield of San Francisco. We saw Jeff Wilson Jr. be success, successful last year statistically because he was kind of that guy who came in and filled the jack of all trades, played in the passing situations, was kind of utilized for touchdowns in the red zone, but also kept caught the ball here or there. Now. With hit, you know, him basically on injury reserve to at least week six, I'm really curious to see how this offense kind of unfolds if they fall behind and who the backs are. Yeah, I, it could be Eli Mitchell. We'll see. I think Moster's going to have a little more passing work than Trey Sermon, but that is an interesting point to see exactly how that's going to, to flex out too. What we're going to do now, though, is take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to talk about some of our wide receivers that have some rising or falling value in our top 108. And of course, we still have a mailbag segment before at the end of the show. So stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be right back after this. 
One of the best sponsors of the show is named Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Symbol, where Wall Street meets sports gambling in this innovative app. The Symbol brings the fun of being able to play for the long term by purchasing, selling, and trading stocks of your teams. When your teams win, you win a payout. Well, when they lose, you don't lose money. The value of your team's share is all that matters, and it's easy to use. Just download the Symbol app on your Play Store and use the promo code MDSFANTASY for a $10 deposit of at least $10 or more. Join the fun of investing in your team for the long haul, where the sportsbook edge is put back into your hands as the player. For the latest and most fun in sports gambling, download Symbol, and again, use the promo code MDSFANTASY for your $10 deposit bonus today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Hey, yo, and we're back. On the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We're streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show and on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe. Always have content coming out 24-7, especially on social media. We've got those player news notifications coming out, and this is the time of the year, baby. Hit that notification alert button. Get the edge on your opponents. We're talking about our top 108 players, our risers and fallers, the guys that we have value for. They're going to make up the core of what your championship is going to be as part of MD Nation. We're going into our wide receivers now on this segment. Chris, we got a lot of top wide receivers. We've got 41 receivers in the top 108. I want to skip all the way down to wide receiver 13. CD Lamb getting activated off the COVID list today. He will be back in time for week one which is all we really cared about. I do have C.D. Lamb ranked one spot ahead of Amari Cooper in half-point PPR leagues. Now, they're neck and neck. And I still maintain, I think Amari Cooper will actually be the number one target. But because of the role C.D. Lamb is going to play, I think there's a chance he'll have more of those explosive games. He might have more yards. He might have more touchdowns, which is why he winds up being one spot ahead of Amari Cooper for me. But how do you see this Cowboys receiving core shaking out. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I mean, I think either one, you could basically make the argument should be the, the guy taking over each other, but the difference between the two isn't very great. I think it's very similar to the Rams situation with Cup and Robert Woods. I think for me, I look at both guys being able to eat consistently, both guys being able to have, you know, receiver one type of value. And I think that you expect CD Lamb to kind of step it up, be more explosive this year. But Mario Cooper actually is going to be healthy going into this year, which he was not last year. So the two guys, I just love their offense in general. We like Zeke being kind of healthy. Dallas's offense is going to be able to put up points with the best of them. Talk about the division and kind of the defenses in the division aren't the greatest. So I think that either one could be a guy you take. I'm not necessarily higher over one than the other, but I think both of them are going to be great values this year. Yeah, look, even Michael Gallup, I think, is going to be a, a nice value this year that people are kind of sleeping on. too. we know this Cowboy offense, sky's the limit for them, especially with a healthy Dak Prescott. I like CeeDee Lamb's talent. It just He has all the makings to be a top 12 guy. I still love Amari Cooper, too. One guy I want to talk about in this list, and I'll pull it up here for you guys at MD Nation on the graphic. Terry McLaurin, I feel a little bad about this because I have him at wide receiver 15, which is five spots below ECR, four spots below ADP. I want to make him a top 12 guy. I do. I love Terry McLaurin. I love the opportunity he has with Ryan Fitzpatrick, which 
very sad to say, is the best quarterback he's had in his career thus far. But the reason I have him a little bit lower is look at these wide receivers. There's so many good ones. It's hard to put him higher for me than where I have him. Even though, would I be shocked if Terry McLaurin's a top 10 wide receiver by the end of the season? Absolutely not. But you still have those games with Ryan Fitzpatrick that can go really badly. You still have Scott Turner as the offensive coordinator who can dumbfoundingly put together a retarded game plan at any given moment. Those things factor in for me when it comes to tiebreakers along with other receivers who are in maybe better situations and similar talent skill sets. So I feel bad about it, but I feel confident about where I have him ranked, ultimately speaking. Yeah, I think I would have Terry McLaurin higher than my board. There's a couple guys that I might drop below him. But I think it also brings up the great point of that when you get past those top tier receivers, there's a bunch of guys that are very, really good receivers that are all going to have probably similar statistics or have the opportunity to have similar statistics. So it's going to kind of be a pick your preference in a lot of ways. You're going to kind of have solid like you pointed out and you know, looking at team offenses, looking at things that you kind of like or that you value as a fantasy person and kind of picking accordingly because a lot of these guys aren't going to be clear cut. This guy's much better than this guy because a lot of these guys in that, that second tier, I call it a receiver, which I mean, really, really good players. There's so many guys that are going to probably be able to put up similar numbers. It's going to matter who stays healthy and a matter of who kind of, you know, has the most opportunity. But Terry McLaurin to me is definitely a guy that I think we both agree has the upside that can be with, especially Ryan Fitzpatrick being added to the equation. They can really have a great year. Um, the only thing I'd have concern about is possibly touchdowns. Maybe that's why I'd have him a little bit lower than some of the other top tier guys because you're not really sure that will he get consistent usage in the, in the red zone. But overall, this guy has so much upside, has a great skill set, runs wonderful routes. And we know that, you know, Fitzmagic's not afraid to let it fly. So I think all those different things make you guys that you can have anywhere from the top 10 to 15, depending on who, what your preference is. Yeah, And just that range in general, I mean, when you're talking about my projections and how I have these guys ranked, the separation between them, it, we're talking like maybe a touchdown, maybe a, maybe a, like 50, 60 yards. Like that, that's the negligible difference between these guys for me. It really comes down to being that close. Some other guys to talk about. Now, I'm not gonna I don't want to spend too much time on DJ Chark as I have as a value because again, I don't understand why people think Marvin Jones suddenly kills DJ Chark. DJ Chark does what Marvin Jones does, except he's younger and more explosive at it. And I still believe he's gonna be number one receiver. But we've talked about him on the show. We've also talked about Antonio Brown on this show. He's a tremendous value for us. I'm 15 spots ahead of ADP for him. I have him as a wide receiver, 23 in that Tampa Bay offense, which we have, I guess, higher expectations for than most. But we've talked about him on the show. The guy we haven't talked about a lot that I want to spend some time today is Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton, I have six spots ahead of ADP, eight spots ahead of ECR. This guy was a budding superstar. And kind of like Terry McLaurin, where, where it's sad to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick is his best quarterback. It's sad to say Teddy Bridgewater is by far his best quarterback that he's had in his entire career. I'm not worried about the ACL. He's had a full year to recover from all indications. He's fully healthy. I'm not worried about Jerry Judy. These two complement each other and what their roles are going to be very well. I'm not worried about the fact that it's Teddy Bridgewater taking over and not Drew Locke. Drew Locke can't hit the broad side of a barn. I'd rather have a more accurate quarterback. I don't need Cortland Sutton to get all these big plays down the field. Remember, he was a top fantasy option with Case Keenum as his starting quarterback position, so he doesn't need a big-arm quarterback to do his thing well because he runs a full route tree in a Pat Shermer offense. People are sleeping on Cortland Sutton. I'm telling you right now, this guy is a high-end wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, I, I mean, you know I am absolutely love Cortland Sutton, and I can't agree more. 
the narratives that are behind surround us is was Jerry Judy's position. Is it? And I think when you look at Shermer, you have somebody who's historically shown that he can utilize two receivers. You talk about Case Keenum. Don't forget Case Keenum back in the Minnesota days was able to easily feed Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Oh, by the way, guess who the offensive coordinator was there? Oh, Shermer. So I think when you look at this team, they're built very similar. Teddy Bridgewater was able to feed two receivers last year. People question his arm strength. Oh, how good is Teddy Bridgewater? Robbie Anderson and J.G. Moore were just fine. So I think when you look at all those different things in play, this team has a, a plethora of weapons. They have a good running game, good offensive line. And I think by far they're the two most talented receivers. I think Cortland Sutton, to me, is going to have even a better year in a lot of ways or more efficient because he's going to be able to run that route tree. And you're not going to be able to key on taking him away where you have me, you have me with safety with a top help. You had different teams kind of try to figure out how to kind of make it harder for him to get the ball. They can't do that now that you have a handler. Now that you have a, you know, Judy on the other side. Now that you have a Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon coming out of the backfield. And you have those two, two tight ends that are, have great speed. I think Colton Sutton has been forgotten about. People kind of, you talked about, you know, in the beginning of the show, J.K. Dobbins getting hurt in the beginning of the year. That how could be a benefit for him next year. Cortland Sutton got hurt very beginning, very beginning of the season last year, so he should be 100% healthy. And he has a chip on the shoulder. He's in his contract year. He's out there and has something to prove. I think Cortland Sutton is one of those guys people just are overlooking, and it's stupid because you want to have him on your team. 100% agree. Uh, I don't think we could have a wide receiver talk without mentioning Kenny Galladay. So let's go ahead and, and mention Kenny Galladay. I'm four spots lower than ADP and ECR. I have him at wide receiver 32. A big part of it is he's just getting back to practice now. Just got cleared for 11 on 11 drills. So he's pretty much missed all of training camp with a new system, a new quarterback who I don't trust for his value to begin with, a quarterback that they are saying that he's not necessarily on the same page with when he was out there earlier on in camp session. I just don't have a lot of faith in this passing attack for the Giants for Kenny Gallo to be able to hold his value because he's a touchdown guy, he comes in at wide receiver three for me, but I don't see a lot of upside. Chris, I know you feel a little bit differently, so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the concerns when it comes to Kenny Holiday, and we've talked about this at nauseum. I'm not a Daniel Jones fan either. Having said that, I do trust that his pay um, is going to make him somebody that he featured in his passing game, and I'm not worried about the other quote-unquote weapons. Derek Slayton's already banged up. Shepard's kind of been what he is. Um, Tony's not even being utilized in the offense at all. And I think by subtraction, you're going to see this guy kind of play a Des Bryant role for Jason Garrett because we both agree he's not creative at all. Um, and I think he's going to kind of go to his old playbook in a lot of ways. So I think Kenny Galladay, the thing that I like about him is I think he can run a full route tree while people kind of make that role that he's just this guy that can only go run deep. Um, I think he could do a lot more than that. He reminds me a lot of Vincent Jackson back in the day. And he's a guy I think that can be productive no matter who the quarterback is in a sense because he can go up and get it. He can get separation. He's not bad with yards after after the catch. So I think there's opportunity for him to definitely you know, overcome his some of the concerns about him and definitely outplay his ADP. But I understand people having the concerns. And to me, I don't like the fact that he has been just come back healthy because that to me is the key. KI is healthy. I have no worries about him. If he's not healthy, that changes his changes my narrative well and that's what i'm worried about the hamstring issue there's two more guys that i want to talk about before we head into the mailbag segment that would be jamar chase who i want to mention again i'm six spots lower than adp nine spots lower than ecr big problem is i think everyone's just overestimating the start that this guy's going to have now i'm not overreacting here to be clear to the drops that he's had i know he's got to work off some rust after play, pretty much not playing football in almost two years at this point 
But I am concerned about the hard time that he's been having getting separation. I am concerned a little bit about the lack of fundamentals that he's been showing. I am a little bit concerned that maybe right now he's just overthinking a lot of things and he has the yips. I just think it's going to slow down the beginning season aspect of his production. And I also am concerned about Joe Burrow not being super confident in the beginning of the year with his knee. I think all those things play against him. You also have to factor in Tyler Boyd, a proven veteran, a proven safety blanket at the slot receiver position. T. Higgins, from all indications, from a physical standpoint, looks like he's ready to take the next step up in his second year of his career. So just other weapons there. There's reason to believe that Burrow might look more to a Tyler Boyd to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Might look to a T. Higgins who he had on the field with him last season. I just think there's a lot of things in the way for Jamar Chase to be this you know, wide receiver three right off the bat that everybody wants to rank him to be and, and just want to crown him the next Justin Jefferson of this season. There's a lot of obstacles in that way. And remember, Jefferson last year, that was a rookie-breaking year. That doesn't mean it's going to get duplicated over and over and over again, even if Jamar Chase winds up being a star receiver down the road. Yeah, Jamar Chase to me is probably the, the most hardest guy for me to evaluate in so many ways. I see it going so easily one or two ways. I could see him definitely being somebody that all the concerns you come up talked about not starting off the season well, Joe Burrow kind of not being seeing Joe Burrow we expected. So offense maybe having other playmakers to kind of utilize more so. But then I also think about Justin Jefferson and how slowly he started off last year and still wound up having that rookie historical year. So Chase to me is somebody that I'm really, really interested in. I, I probably my highest riser or follower in a lot of ways because I think he can win you a championship this year if he gets in the groove towards the end of the season. But I also think he can cost you making the playoffs because I think he's going to have a slow start. So it's going to be one of those guys that you don't want to bank on. So I agree with you. You shouldn't be somebody you're taking as your receiver two or receiver three where he's kind of rated at. But it is a guy that might be one of those guys who can actually win you championships this year. So it's really hard for me to kind of say where I fall on him because I I agree he doesn't look what you kind of expect him to. But I still think his talent is is phenomenal. And I expect him to get better as the season kind of progresses as well as expect Burrow to get better as the season progresses. So there's that chance for him to kind of blow up as well as the season goes on. One last guy I want to talk about before we get to the mailbag segment is I, we got to talk about Michael Pittman. T.Y. Hilton goes on IR. He's going to be out at least three weeks, but there's a lot of seemingly uncertainty with his injury, with that neck injury that he sustained and how long that's really truly going to be. It could be longer than that. It could be halfway through the year. So Pittman now squarely gets in place to be the number one wide receiver for the Colts with a Carson Wentz quarterback who we believe is at least, if nothing else, an improvement over what they had in Phillip Rivers a season ago. I don't know if the ADP just hasn't caught up yet or the ECR rankings hasn't caught up yet, but after I did my rankings last night, Michael Pittman is my wide receiver 38, nine spots ahead of ADP, eight spots ahead of ECR. I like his talent. I like his red zone capabilities. I like his route running. He's a guy who can go up and get it. Carson Wentz likes to throw the 50-50 ball. So I think there's reason to have some upside hope with Michael Pittman, and you can draft him as a mid-level wide receiver four, who I think is at the very least going to have some flex opportunities for you, especially early on in the year when we're waiting for T.Y. Hilton to get back. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe Paris Campbell sees a little boost in the meantime, but overall we have to question whether he's going to be healthy. He's kind of struggled with it over the last few years, even in college. Um, and I think that Michael Pittman's clearly that consistent guy who's going to probably be out there week in, week out, probably their primary red zone target. And we know that Carson Wentz likes to throw to his big guys. So I think there's a lot of things going for Michael Pittman. He's definitely a nice flyer to take later on in your draft and is a solid pick as a number receiver four. All right, fellas, guess what time it is. Mail time, mail time. The mail's here. 
Remember, if you ever need to get on the mailbag segment or if you ever need your question answered, especially with drafts coming up, just hit us up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. We will answer any question to try to help you guys out. That's what we're here for. And then we'll select our favorite few, put them on the show, talk about them now. Also, the rankings, the top 108, make sure you go check out BellyUpFantasySports.com and utilize those rankings for as a tool for your drafts upcoming to find those values and be able to zag when everyone else zigs, as I like to say. Now, RJ, he asked, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. We already know what our answer is going to be, but break down quickly as to why, Chris. Yeah, I mean, we like the upside that Lamar has with the increased weapons that he has. There's also been a lot of talk about Kyler Murray not running as much, and that's coming out of Kyler Murray, not so much the coaching staff. So if he's not going to be running, that's pretty much what gives him his floor. We saw it the second half of the year last year. When he wasn't running the ball, he wasn't throwing to make up for the, those points. That's why he had a dramatic fall off. And we told Lamar Jackson to have a very similar, a different reaction as the season progressed where he was number quarterback one from weeks nine to 17. So I think that when you look at the kind of the projection, you're looking at a guy who you have has added value running the ball and throwing the ball versus a guy who's talking about cutting back on something. Yeah, this is pretty much which quarterback's going to run more. We have more faith it's going to be Lamar Jackson between these two. Stewart asked, 12-man PPR league, do I keep Jonathan Taylor in the fourth? Or, I mean, I guess this question's a little bit old now, but J.K. Dobbins in the seventh. So obviously it's going to be Jonathan Taylor now in the fourth. That would have been a much more interesting conversation before the Dobbins ACL injury, unfortunately. Crow asked us, 10-man PPR dynasty league, would you trade Chase Claypool for Chase Edmonds? I say no. I mean, I can understand the temptation. You know, Chase Edmonds has been involved in the passing game. I do like him this year in Arizona. I just don't know his long-term future in Arizona, but I just don't know necessarily what his long-term future is going to be. So for me, Claypool is a stud. He reminds me a lot of DK Metcalf, especially physically, and I'm not giving up that knowing Juju Smith is in last year's contract and I'm going to be renewed last, next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit worried with the quarterback situation for the Steelers winds up being, but I agree with you. In a dynasty standpoint, this may be Evans' one and only opportunity to be the lead guy. Otherwise, he might always be in a platoon situation. I'd rather take Chase Claypool, who has a profile to possibly be a top receiver, especially if they're able to get a competent quarterback after Ben Roethlisberger. Last question, Emerson asked, in the second round of a half-point PPR league, would you take Najee Harris or Stephon Diggs? This was a tough one for me. But I had to go with that quarter running back because we talked about the depth at receiver. I think for me, I'm work. I want to get one of those top running backs in the second round. And so Najee Harris to me is that has a very safe floor. We know he's going to utilize in the running game. He's going to utilize in the passing game. I like Pittsburgh's offense in general. So I'm going to stick with Harris. Yeah, you have to go with the running back in this situation, especially a running back who's going to get the kind of volume that Najee Harris is. Yeah, I think he has more talent than a James Robinson. He's going to get James Robinson type of volume, in my opinion, which means you're talking about a guy who could very easily finish in the top 10 at running back. While Stephon Diggs might be a top three wide receiver, that's still going to be more valuable to you because you can still find more receivers to get production out of on a week-to-week basis than you can on these running backs, especially workhorse three-down running backs. It's hard to come by, so I'm with you on Najee Harris. The poll question that we hinted at earlier, I asked MD Nation, will Gardner Minshew start over Jalen Hurts at some point this season, not injury related? 36% said yes, 64% said no. I've, I go with no as well, but I do think that Philadelphia, the type of town that it is, I think they're going to love them some Gardner Minshew. I think there's going to be chatter for Gardner Minshew at some point this year, especially when Hurts has his four interception type of games, which is why I thought it was an interesting question, and I think it was reflected with 36% saying yes. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I would think. I think it's going to be actually yes, because I think the Eagles could struggle this year. And I think Jalen Hurts is the first guy who's going to get kind of thrown to the wolves. And we know how talk radio goes out in Philadelphia area. They're going to love them some issue. He's going to come and spark in one of them games. He'll have a comeback in the fourth quarter. And next thing you know, he'll be, he'll be the starter. They love Nick Foles over Carson Wentz. I think they're going to want Minshew over Jalen Hurts at some point this year. That's going to do it for the show, guys. Hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. We're going over our favorite bets of the year. We're going to try to win you guys some money tomorrow. Make sure you check us out on social media, at Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And check out those rankings on BillyUpFantasySports.com. Remember, we are here for you guys all throughout the weekend. It's a big draft week, probably leading all the way up into Wednesday night. So we're going to be around starting next week. We'll be on Thursday and Friday like we normally are. We're going to be previewing week one, and then we are on five times a week after that because we're not just Thursday and Friday. We'll be on Saturday. Then we'll be back on Monday. Then we'll be back on Tuesday, and the whole thing starts all over again. So a lot of MD's fantasy football shows. The football season is almost here. So you guys stay tuned. I'm your host, Dan Mater. Join here with Chris Dauhauer. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 